Hi, this is Nick Dawson, the editor-in-chief of TalkHouse Film, and you're listening to the TalkHouse Film Podcast. Late last year, I emailed Joe and Chris Swanberg with a somewhat strange suggestion. Both Swanbergs had films at the forthcoming Sundance Film Festival. Chris with her naturalistic pregnancy drama Unexpected, and Joe with Digging for Fire, a star-studded exploration of a married couple's weekend apart. And I hit on the idea of Joe interviewing Chris for a podcast. My thought was that the way in which a husband and wife talk is different from how filmmakers usually discuss art and process, and that in their conversation they might reach some interesting places. As both Swanbergs were finishing their movies, it wasn't possible to do the podcast at that time, so we revisited the idea six months later, when Unexpected was released theatrically. A little more than a day after Joe had wrapped his latest film, three days after Unexpected had come out, and two weeks before the couple's new baby was to be born, husband and wife sat down in their home for a really frank and revealing conversation about the Sundance experience, selling a film, finding the right distributor, dealing with agents, taking meetings, shaping a career, and the challenges of being in a two-filmmaker household. I guess my first question is, after doing two, like, under $10,000, really small, improvised movies, why write a script and why make a sort of quote-unquote bigger movie this time um i just i felt a lot of anxiety with my first two movies i think after i sort of felt like that was the way i should make movies since you and i had done a lot of that stuff before and it seemed uh like the natural way to kind of go about it and also fun i'd had a lot of fun doing it before but i was never kind of in charge and then um when I was making, um, it was great, but I was ready to come home. It was really fun, and I have a lot of like really great memories, and I really like that movie. But I also felt a lot of anxiety about, you know, what how it was coming together and whether it was coming together, and um, and there was a really, it was like a very limited amount of time because we were we were in Costa Rica for four weeks, and we had to kind of shoot everything and 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 make it into a movie and um i was worried that we weren't doing that um and the same with empire builder we went to montana i think only for like how long were we there three weeks maybe two weeks yeah i can't remember but it, i think you i think it was like 10 shooting days yeah, and some really like short. gap days in between for editing and stuff yeah and um you know, the whole time I was like, this is great. I'm having so much fun. It's very cool. I'm working with people that I love. We're getting good stuff. But I was, you know, always in the back of my head, I was like, man, is this going to turn into a movie? And then, you know, it kind of didn't. And we had to shoot more stuff in Chicago. And, and then it did turn into a movie. And I, I really liked the way it turned out. But with this story, I really wanted to get it right. Because um, it's the the story that I've told that's the most important to me and um you know it was really nice to get that on paper and be able to kind of get people's opinions on it and and go over it over and over and over again and make sure that it was exactly what I was trying to say um so the script part of it made sense to me and I probably will do that from now on I remember you saying during the shoot that you there's still scenes that don't work. You're still rewriting all the time. You're still right. stuff ends up on the cutting room floor because story wise it doesn't make sense. Like I I guess I'm more curious, like 
spending 18 months writing the script and then sort of like getting into the realities of shooting a movie like what did the script actually do for you like what was the what was the process of writing the script where you felt like it was different when you because i i like when i wrote the first draft of the script when megan and i finished that first draft i think we were still unsure about who these people were and by the time I had finished, I mean, like the 10th draft and we were in production, I was so confident about who these people were and what kinds of decisions they would make and what they would say and what they would do that even when things didn't quite work on film, they were that worked on paper, I knew how to fix it. And, and I knew that I wasn't, you know, taking a character to a place that they wouldn't go. I felt, um, I just felt so confident about all of that stuff that that it became easier and i suppose it helps attract actors and money and stuff like that right definitely i mean certainly the script was a huge factor in that i think you know it's for you at this point with having so many films under your belt people are you know able to look at your other films and say well that worked and i i like the performances of this and i like these film so I want to be a part of it. I trust him enough to be a part of whatever he does next but for me you know making those two small film like features um, there wasn't enough there I think for me to just have an idea and and get people you know to be in the film well, I guess I'm curious like why not just make another small feature like what was going on for you as a person and an artist where you were like, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a full crew. I'm going to have a script. Like I'm going to do a big production, like a proper movie production. Because I want to, I want to make a career out of it. And my other two films, you know, even though I'm really happy with them, I think they're really great. They didn't get distribution. They were, you know, really small and felt small and no one saw them. So I wanted this to be a bigger movie that people would see. And it, I, I, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what happened. So what was your Sundance experience? Uh, it was amazing. I loved it. It was really cool to get into Sundance. I was like really, really happy. It felt like a big accomplishment. And um, the premiere was awesome. It was just like the best I could hope for. And the response was great. And I just like sat in the back of the theater after not having slept the night before out of um, excitement and watched everyone watch the film that I had made. And it was perfect. It just felt perfect. The, The film or the experience? The experience. It was great. It was exactly what I would hope it could be. And so what's been the aftermath If sort of like making this movie was an attempt, like a, a desire to treat your career seriously or to have a career or uh, whatever your goals were, like what's it been like since then? Because I feel like a lot of filmmakers like re, you know, sort of like hear the Sundance experience and the sort of story of like going to that festival and selling your movie or, or whatever else. Like, so what's been the reality of the last uh, six months since Sundance? Well, I think I was a little prepared for it not to be like the answer to all of my prayers because we've just known so many people to go to Sundance with this expectation of like now, now I've made it 
and then to come back from Sundance and get like a little depressed. <laughs> and so I was sort of prepared for that and kind of realistic about that um, and feel like I have been this whole time. So, you know, I, even though this movie was very big for me and feels very big to me, it's, you know, it's still a very small film um, comparatively. And I, you know, I didn't take Sundance by storm you know, by any means. It wasn't like the most talked about film. It wasn't this year's whiplash, et cetera. But, um, but I feel like, I, I don't know. It's the, it's the first project that I've ever made where I'm 100% satisfied with it, where I watch the film and I think that's, to me, it's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted to make. I set out to make it and that's, and that is what it became. And so I'm so happy with that. And any, anyone that also likes it, it's like, um, it's so exciting because I wasn't making it thinking, well, what will people like? Let me do all the things that people like. I was making it and saying, this is what I like. I hope people also like it too. What happens immediately post Sundance? Like the festival ends and what hap what kind of well, emails start first, showing up? Okay, what kind so of like phone the calls first, start happening? The first thing that happens is like, you're wanting someone to buy your film. So, so I sat there in the premiere with and like saw a great response with a f like a completely crowd you know sold out screening of course and um, and was like this is the best thing that's ever happened and then was why sort do of you say sold out screening of course because just because everything at Sundance, everything at Sundance sells out. out yeah not because of my film but just because of everything at Sundance sells out so it was a full theater and a fantastic response and. Um, and, you know, a great review. We had an amazing review in Variety that night, and it felt very exciting. And I was like, okay, like, the emails for people that want to buy this movie are going to start coming in. And they kind of did, but it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a battle for who could buy the film at the highest price. And, um, and that was a little stressful. Um, but then we found a distributor that we really liked, and... Um, you know, they didn't buy the film for $3 million, um, but they bought it for a good amount. And Who's the distributor? Film Arcade. And um, and what was that experience like? As, as working you got, with them or well, selling no, it to them? Getting, well, getting multiple offers after your premiere and sort of s deciding, okay, cool, we're not going to break the bank here. This film's not going to become right. uh, this gigantic moneymaker overnight. But, you know, we have different distributors interested in, like how do you land on the distributor who well, ends we up putting had, out the movie? Uh, we had, a, you know, when it came down to it, we had two distributors that were interested. One was Film Arcade and one was Magnolia. And, uh, and Film Arcade was willing to pay a little bit more and Magnolia just didn't seem that excited about it. Um, and they, they have a reputation and they, put out more films. I was more familiar with Magnolia than Film Arcade. And you had worked with Magnolia, and we had a lot of friends that worked with Magnolia before. And I like them. Um, but they, you know, having the conversation with them on the phone, they weren't really passionate about the movie. That was, you know, they were sort of like, yeah, it's good, was, you know, kind of the attitude that I sensed. And Film Arcade was a lot more excited about it and liked it so a lot So you're, like, more. going with your gut. It's yes. like an interpersonal feeling. Yeah, like these people like my movie more. Yeah, definitely, and 
and I think they did. And I don't know. I mean, who knows what it would have turned out like with Magnolia putting it out, but Film Arcade, you know, I think put their all into the movie. And that's, you know, that's what I wanted. And also, they didn't buy that many movies. They only bought two movies out of Sundance. So we had a lot of their attention, and that felt really good, too. And the movie opened this weekend. We're talking on Monday. So it's on 23 screens this weekend. What does that feel like? And what does it feel like? You know, you sort of take your movie from festival to festival. You're there at every screening. Right. You're doing Q&As. Like, this is the point now where the movie just belongs to the world. It's right. kind of left your control. Like, are you curious what's going on in those cities? Do you not care? Do you do you care about New York and Chicago? Like, what are your feelings? Mm, I My personal feelings about it right now are just to not think about it too much because it does feel really surreal and because realistically I don't think that many people are going to go to the theater in Orlando and watch this film so I'm trying not to even look um it's also at numbers on, and things at like numbers that, and mean? things like that yeah I'm not even like I didn't even go on box office mojo to like check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying not to even think about it because it doesn't, I don't think it matters that much. I, I don't think that the, I don't think the, it's not going to be a crazy film that like sweeps the nation. So it's, you know, I hope that people go see it. I hope that a lot of people are renting on iTunes. That's obviously why I made the movie. I want a lot of people to watch it, but I'm also, I feel already really good that it's opening, that it's, that it's like people are seeing it, you know, and that um, people like it. That sort of covers the Sundance experience and, and kind of what happened there. But now tell me, like, what happens to a filmmaker after Sundance? Like, you come home, you have right. agents now because of the script, right? Right. And the movie has played, it's gotten good reviews, it's gotten a distribution deal what's what's the like next step in the filmmaker after journey? Sundance um I came home and my agents were you know we got a really good response out of Sundance every review is positive every single one so that was really good um and my agents I'm at UTA were like great now let's get you to LA to take a bunch of meetings so they set me up with different production companies and studios and TV networks. And when you say set you up, what does that mean? It means that they meetings? set up meetings. So they, they had a screening at UTA um, and invited a lot of like industry to that screening. And that went really well. A lot of people came and a lot of people left and said, this is so great. We want to work with her or we at least want to meet with her. Mm -hmm. And so my agents were like, awesome, let's set up a meeting. Chris is going to be in town from, you know, this date to this date. I think I went out there for like a week and a half or two weeks. And I had, you know, five meetings a day where I went to different places and met with them. And um, they told me about what they were working on. We talked about my movie. They asked me what I was interested in. And then they were like, great, well, let us know when you have something. Or we'll let you know when we want you to do something. And, um, you know, all of those went seemingly really well. I had good conversations with everybody and, um, and really liked a lot of the people. 
And then, um, you know, and I think if I had been in a position where I had another script ready and I wanted, you know, a studio to look at it or a production company to look at it, that would have been a different kind of scenario where I would kind of be pitching something. But I didn't, I don't have anything ready. So I was sort of just going out there and feeling it out. Um, and I, I feel still, nothing directly came out of that stuff, but I still think it was um, really helpful because now I know kind of who I like and who I jive with um, for when I have something or if they, you know, if they have something for me. Do you have uh, ideas about how you want your career to go? Or right now, do you just feel kind of open to what presents itself? I think at first I felt really open to anything. Um, and now after getting sent a lot of scripts that were on the same sort of budget level as Unexpected, I think it doesn't make sense for me to direct something that I didn't write at that budget level, at least n nothing that I've seen. Because anything that I've seen on that at that budget level, I'm like, oh, it's not quite what I would do. And... Um, I think it would just be easier to write something that I would want, that would be exactly what I wanted to make. Um, but, you know, I am interested in making stuff that's bigger and certainly um, talking to people about doing stuff that's like on the studio level, which I think would be really fun. Where does the desire to do bigger stuff come from and what do you mean exactly by bigger? Like, what do you, you mean studio, like wide release studio yeah. movies? yeah. And what it, what's the appeal? Like when you think about making them and putting them out into the world, like what aspect of that is most exciting to you? It sounds, it's not something I could do on my own right now. And so it seems really fun to have the opportunity to like kind of play on that bigger scale. And um, it just sounds really exciting and really fun. And also like from a financial standpoint, it would be really awesome to get paid, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars to direct a film sounds amazing because it's not, it's not really viable to make, you know, one indie every couple years and survive off of that salary. I remember you saying that a lot of these meetings that you took after Sundance were people who were kind of presenting you scripts that were about women or about sort of women's issues or, you know, that, that kind of like people seeing unexpected were like, Oh cool. Let's show this woman all of our woman movies. Like what was your experience <laughs> with the industry post Sundance and kind of like what, what their expectations of you were? Um, I think that was more of the experience I had with, uh, you know, one of the first agents that UTA set me up with was um, he sent me a bunch of projects and there, you know, he sent me like a list of like 12 projects and they were all like female focused and that was a little obnoxious to me. Um, and then I, you know, but then I got a different agent and they're <laughs> and they haven't been, um, they haven't been sort of doing that. But you had to have that conversation where you were like, hey, I'm interested in yeah, all kinds of movies, for sure. not just movies about women. For sure. Um, and, but I think that that's probably the same conversation that anyone would do, anyone would have to have if they like had made a genre movie, for instance, and then the, all the scripts they're getting are genre movies, except that a 
drama about women shouldn't be a, a genre movie. Do you know what I mean? It shouldn't be like, oh, she's into horror movies. It was just like, no, I'm just into movies. This one just happens to be female focused. I mean, in terms of this new project that you're writing, how much of the kind of response to and realities of unexpected, like critical reception, like real normal people reception, like industry impact, et cetera, will influence the next thing that you write? Like, do you, is there sort of like a purity to the writing process? Or do you feel like as a, as a filmmaker, you're sort of taking notes from the unexpected experience that you'll then apply to like how you write your next script and how you pitch your next project and so, like how you cast it and think about it. Like what is it, is it always for you or is, are you kind of like, no, it's not. I am very business. I'm like definitely thinking about the business side of things and, and definitely thinking like this, whatever this ne next script ends up being like, it has to be something that can appeal to actors of a certain level. And it has to be something that can appeal to, uh, you know, uh, investors and it has to be commercially viable. And so I'm definitely not like, I don't care. I'm just going to make a small art movie and whatever happens and it happens. I'm like aware that it needs to be commercially successful. And, but I don't have, that doesn't feel like a compromise to me. That feels exciting to me to kind of weigh that stuff in and to make a good film under those terms. And, when you say all of that and, and sort of think of all of that, do you feel like that has always been the case for you? Do you feel like age, like getting older factors into that reality? Do you feel like having made three films now factors into that reality? Like where I'm like curious where you feel like the mindset is coming, whether it's been an evolution in your career, or whether you feel like you've essentially always had the same attitude about it. And, and that just is what it is. Um, I don't think I've always had the same attitude about it. I certainly didn't with my first two features. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm more interested now of it being, a uh, of being like a viable career than I was before where I can, you know, have some success, have some career success and financial success within the, within the industry. I'm more conscious of that than I have been before. I don't know if that's because of the age, my age. Probably. For me, it's, a, you know, a lot of it does have to do with um, our own relationship, our personal relationship between me and you, and having kids and having a family, and being in a place, for me personally, being in a place where, you know, I... I have to, because you're making more money doing projects, it only made sense for me at the time to hold off and to take care of the family and the home and et cetera. The time meaning like right. around 2010 when Jude was born? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, that didn't satisfy me. And the only way that that works just on a logistic level is if I'm making if I'm making my own stuff, that's that's financially uh, viable. Is the only time it makes sense for us to switch those roles is from if I'm making stuff that's going to make money. Otherwise, um, 
it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense for yeah, or at least for me at to, least to switch for you those to roles. take times off. Yeah, at least to switch those roles for the extended period of time it takes to like really make a feature film. Right, right. Which is like several months straight of like dedicated labor. Right. Yeah, or or so smaller was, kinds so of movie. Like it's really interesting because some of the stuff you and I talk about, you know, like there are movies that I'm kind of like interested in making at all different levels like i Definitely. still am interested in making five thousand dollar for sure totally improvised movies but yeah. for me like the reality of those movies is like i can't spend six months making a five thousand dollar improvised movie like it has to be tucked into a period like of time where yeah <laughs> i can weeks. be doing other work but and stuff you like that. but you are really good at making like good movies that you're proud of in and th- doing it in three weeks and i'm not as good at, at that and I feel like now I need I need to write a script, and that's how I'm going to make a film that I feel. You really feel like that'll be a constant part of your process now. Like a yes. script is going to be always a key component. Yeah. Um. So, how does that time management factor into how you're thinking about your next project? Because you're two weeks away from having another baby. Right. There are projects that are kind of in the ether for you that maybe would would start to engage you soon or soonish. Like, what do you, you in mean terms like of studio stuff? Yeah, or even your own writing on your project. Like, right. you could hit a stride on that and suddenly feel right. like you're on it and really engaged with it, and that you're going to want to like be spending more and more time right. focusing on that. Like, how do you? I mean, just with the like practical realities, let's say of breastfeeding and things like that, like just certain things that you're intending to do, like how much are you thinking about time management these days and how much are you kind of thinking about your schedule over the next year as you want to make more stuff and also be a mom yeah it's hard because you have so much stuff going on so i personally have yeah. yeah so it's not as it's not as easy it doesn't feel as easy anymore just because you have so much stuff on the horizon to be like okay cool once you know once we can you know pick our heads up after having this baby once we can catch our breath um we'll just like trade off again and I'll just spend time writing and stuff. And and you can just, we'll alternate days, which is sort of like what we've done before. Because you're so, because you have so much stuff going on, it's going to be a situation where like, you know, we have to get childcare, um, which, you know, going back to kind of like the whole, <laughs> what my movie's about, it means that I won't be with that kid, you know, and I won't be with Jude. and um, And that's, a struggle for sure to like think about, but having been, having been a stay at home mom for like two years with Jude, I just know that. And, and also having the experience of, of making unexpected and being away from him for, you know, a month at a time or weeks at a time when I had to travel, et cetera. I just, I just know that I prefer that and that I, I, feel more satisfied in life doing that. So I'm less doing the film stuff, doing the film stuff. So I'm less conflicted about it than I was. Yeah. Like the, the trade off of like childcare and all that stuff feels worth it to you. Yes. To like keep making your own work and sort of 
because I've seen be... the other side of it. So there's not as much anxiety. So even though it's hard to leave Jude, even though it was hard to be in production on Unexpected and to not see him and to know that he missed me and to like for when he saw me to like cry and say that he missed me it was like heartbreaking but now that I'm on the other side of it it's it's fine and he's fine and he's in fact he's great and I'm great and and so I I feel good about it for the next one that that's you know that that's sort of a compromise that I feel okay being on that side of right better to have a mom who's satisfied and happy and engaged and sometimes not around than a mom who's always around and constantly frustrated (laughs) and wishing she was doing something else (laughs) yeah um yeah totally i mean i i very much feel like uh children cannot be at the center of the universe all the time like i i think it is really good for jude that we had that period of time where I was the stay at home dad and you were making your movie. Like yeah. that's setting a kind of precedent. Me too. For him but I think it, but I think it'll be harder and we'll have a harder time and he'll have a harder time if you're in production on something. And I also and have something going production. on right. because we haven't experienced that yet. Right. Well, we have, I mean, my personal feeling is like, I would hope that that just doesn't happen. I mean, I'm me too. I'm like flexible enough that and all and all at this point like almost all of my work is self sort of self-created which right. means that i'm like really you i have a lot of schedule. say over when it happens well um, i talked to i mean i talked to kobe about this a lot to kobe smolders who's in my movie because she's married to taryn killam who also works and like they they have to deal with it a ton yeah and they're always you know they're like very focused on being parents and um and like that's super important to both of them and they want to have like a normal family but it's they're like actors so if both of them get opportunities at the same time which they just went through last month they were in like totally different places one had one kid and a nanny the other one had the other kid and a nanny and like they took those jobs and that also sucks you know because i don't know it's just I think we haven't had like a nanny situation, but even when we took our babysitter Kim to Sundance, it was hard for us both to have films there. And even though Jude was with us, it was hard to be like, we're not going to see you for like two days. We're going to be in and out. Harder for you than it is for me. Yeah. You have, you have mom (laughs) instincts that I don't have. It's true. My attitude typically is like, ah, Jude's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had a really tough time with it. It was a bummer. And I wanted to be, you know, any time that he's like, I miss you. Can't you stay home? Cancel your thing. You know, I'm like, Oh God, I want to do that. I should do that. Um, and it's, it's like a real struggle. Yeah. I'm just like, stop being so manipulative. dude. Yeah. That's, that's like totally (laughs) hurting your mom's feelings. That's like totally the difference between, between dads and moms. I think, I think like it's just not less of a struggle for you. Yeah. Um, well, it's a different attitude. It's like a, just a different approach to family. I mean, it's it's really it's very different than my upbringing. And I think it's really different than your upbringing. So that's the other kind of adjustment that we're making. Is that neither of like if we were if either of us had been raised in families who worked in the entertainment industry, we it would be more normalized. But right. we both had like pretty straightforward like well suburban. you especially like you know your mom stayed home with you yeah for the whole time you were a kid yeah 
Um, so we're kind of like both making it up on the fly in right. terms of what it's supposed to look like. And I feel like every time we're weighing it against our own upbringings, it's, I mean, it's, it just like busts at some point but because what's you're just good, like, Oh, it's so different at this point. But what's good is that our kid is like really a great kid and isn't, that's tr- subjective. Isn't, tr- well, he's not like, he hasn't gone through, you know, he doesn't have like emotional problems or like, developmental delays or things that that we might then say like oh it's because we're never around him like we you know what i mean we we sort of are like no we have a really well-adjusted kid who is flexible and um and easygoing and sort of is seems to be really happy with the way our life is yeah well he doesn't know anything else which is the (laughs) great thing about kids i mean they'll just you know, you could raise them in a closet and they would just think that that was normal. No, so. no. If you raise them, that's not true. If you raise them in a closet, they might think it was normal, but they would be pretty messed up. Yeah. Well, sure. The reality is that this new baby is coming any minute. Right. But like, where's your mental space right now? Like, what are you thinking about when you have time to yourself to sort of like have your artistic wheels turning? I think, like, you know, because the movie just got released on Friday. That was, like, a big, you know, mark on the calendar that was approaching for a long time. And, you know, I've been working on Unexpected for a really long time. I think Megan and I started writing this movie in 2012. Yeah. And um, and so, I, you know, this has been sort of, like, happening and always in the horizon. And now it just got released on Friday and I think that I would probably have like a little like uh, postpartum depression (laughs) in the film sense um, if I didn't have this baby coming right now so meaning the baby is giving you something (laughs) to focus on (laughs) well you're not even really thinking about the fact that the movie's like out yeah so like you know I've been working on this movie for two since 2012 and now it's it just got released and I've been pregnant for nine months and that's like about to happen um and so now that the movie's over I'm like okay time to finally like for the first time just focus on this baby coming and focus on being pregnant and and you know my job right now as like a pregnant person who's two weeks away from having a baby is to like rest and like hang out and um and so i'm trying to allow myself to do that um but and i of course i'm like totally still thinking about my career etc and i have like a studio thing that i'm trying for that i've been working on um pitching for and having conversations about and taking meetings for etc and so i'm doing that and then i have you know the I have a, the basics of a of a really good outline for the next project that I want to write. Um, so with this particular thing, I'll probably do it when the script feels ready. But I want to write the script. I'm like eager. Yeah. But you're not going to just like will a movie into existence once a year. No, I mean with the when way that I kind of do. <laughs> you know, well, I mean? you do it more than once a year. Yeah, I mean you. Listen, you have like an idea for a movie and you're like, cool, who wants to do this movie with me? And then you find some people that want to make it with you, actors, 
And then you're like, great, let's do it as soon as possible. And you can move really fast and, and make stuff that you're excited about. You also lose interest very quickly on things. And I don't as much. So if you have to sit around on an idea for a year, you're going to have 20 ideas in the meantime and want to make that other stuff. And that happens to you a lot. And that didn't happen to me with Unexpected is I was like focused on that. And that was the project that I wanted to make. And I had other ideas kind of in the meantime, but I wasn't like, oh, I'm not interested in this thing anymore. I was still really focused on it. So you and I are different in that way. Yeah, but when you say you want to make a movie a year, it sounds like we're the same. Like, I guess that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, like, but you make you like at least you make three movies a year. You make more mm, than one movie. I, a year. I think well, this year I'll I'll have made two, but I do think that the last over the sort of like broad span of it, like a movie a year is about the rhythm that I end up being on. I I will I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but I will say that I am I don't feel good if I'm not working on something. I feel gr- I feel kind of gross. I feel kind of like uh I don't know. I feel like I'm not doing anything with my life if I'm not working on a project. So I have to be working on a project or have something in the works in order to feel right. Yeah. Um cool. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> I'm excited about whatever movie you make next. (laughs) No, it's true. Um, Any uh, final words for for filmmakers or soon-to-be moms? Any wisdom you can impart from the particular position you're in where your movie just came out and a baby is about to come out? Uh, Man, I don't know because I'm so scared and anxious about it about the baby yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't have any advice maybe people have advice for me yeah if you have advice please email chris (laughs) she is open to open to advice all right thanks for talking to me okay bye (laughs) this is nick dawson from talk has film and you've been listening to joe swanberg and chris swanberg on the talk has film podcast Unexpected is out now in theaters through the Film Arcade. Digging for Fire is released August 21st through The Orchard. Both come highly recommended. The episode was engineered by Sean Kennedy and edited by Elia Einhorn. For more filmmakers talking film and TV, visit thetalkhouse.com film. Subscribe to Talkhouse Film and Talkhouse Music Podcast on iTunes, where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can.